0: Hello everyone, this is Stefan and Ellen again for the Royville Movie House. We've just got out of the theater and all my popcorn is gone, so we're going to talk about tonight the movie we just watched, Battlefield Earth, one of the 50 worst movies of all time.
1: Yes. Before I read the synopsis, I just have two things to say. Gondor... Kate Blanchett. I just needed to prove that I could say it. All right. She's been
0: practicing, I guess.
1: Moving on. Uh, Battlefield Earth was made in the year 2000. It was directed. Sorry, excuse me. It was directed by Roger Christensen. It was based on a novel by the writer L. Ron Hubbard. And the screenplay was written by Corey Mandel and J.D. Shapiro. The movie does star John Travolta, Barry Pepper, Forrest Whitaker, Kim Coates, and Sabine Carcenti.
0: Forrest Whitaker, people.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, Battlefield Earth was written and based on a novel by L. Ron Hubbard, who was the founder of a religion called Scientology that John Travolta is huge into. I think the person who is the only other person on Earth that's more into Scientology happens to be Tom Cruise. Yeah! So, given that this movie was a passion project by John Travolta and I believe that it did not did not highlight any of the good that L. Ron Hubbard could have put into a book that is more than 3,000 pages long. At all, it was bad, and I like bad movies. It was bad.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, so your your initial reaction, because I'd already seen the movie, I already knew it was bad. So,
0: well, I already told Ellen before this review that I was going to try not to cuss, and it is going to be very, very hard to do that. But my initial reaction, because I like like she said, I hadn't seen the movie before. And even when it came out, I'm a huge sci-fi fan if you've uh, listened to any of our other videos, audios, and but I never really had an inkling to see this movie. About 20 to 30 minutes into the movie, I had the impression, and I told Ellen this, that it was The Office with...
1: Like Steve Carell. Steve
0: Carell and John Krasinski. Uh, It was The Office only if it was a very crappy, I didn't use the word crappy, if it was a very crappy sci-fi action movie.
1: Correct, because it wasn't very action-y.
0: It wasn't very action-y and it was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was not good.
1: And that's not to say that Steve does not like the sitcom The Office. He does.
0: Oh yeah, seen it all the way through twice. (laughs)
1: What he means by that is there was more talk about the corporation than action-y things or future things. It was all about the corporation.
0: Replace gold, and if you've seen the movie, replace gold with paper supplies and it's the office. There you go.
1: I, don't, I just don't want any of you to, to believe that Steve does not like the office because that would be a very big untruth. Um... So, that being said, I had seen the movie once before, and I had forgotten how some how bad some of the scenes were. The unfortunate thing is, it has a fantastic cast. And so it makes it that much more disappointing. I mean, Forrest Whitaker usually is amazing. He's a great actor. Uh, Kim Coates, who played... The sidekick that was his enemy at the beginning turned around, whatever. He was pretty good.
0: He's also uh, in Sons of Anarchy. He played the character Tig, I believe, in Sons of Anarchy. And he actually looked worse in Sons of Anarchy than he did as a caveman in this movie.
1: That's another point. All of the cavemen...
0: Have great dental plans for, what, a thousand years of degradation?
1: And are so clean. So clean.
0: Very good looking. Model-esque.
1: That that too. Um, So, all of that being said, Steve's initial reaction, my initial reaction, and a little bit about how the movie was made. Um, We're going to move on to kind of the nitty gritty, which are the characters. We're mainly going to talk about two. That's Johnny and Toro. Johnny was played by Barry Pepper. The protagonist. And Barry Pepper was in his heyday at that point. Barry Pepper was in just about every other movie that came out. This is toward the end of his heyday, actually. He was a late 90s guy. (sighs) Johnny was a boring character. And got beat up a a lot. A lot. A lot, a lot. And the Cyl- Cyclos? I want to say Cylons, and that's way not right. I think
0: it's Cyclos, yeah.
1: The Cyclos like to choke him. Evidently, Barry Well,
0: Pepper- that was their move. It's kind of like the Kirk Dougal- double uh, fist hit. <laughs> their move is the... Grab you as you're doing anything and choke you out. Until they decide to let you go because... Because. Reasons?
1: Yes. Because. because
0: shut up? <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> um, it, I, I don't know if this was a, a decision on maybe the directing team to show that the Cyclos were bigger than humans, because when they're choking you, they're lifting you up off the ground.
0: And there's really like nothing you can do. You're in a vice grip. But they did it so much in this movie, it just became lazy, in my opinion.
1: Correct. I also think that they did it because Barry Pepper makes a very convincing I'm dying because my throat is being cut off noise cough thing.
0: Yeah, well, okay.
1: <laughs> that was my thought. I thought maybe the director heard him the first time and was like, yeah, do that. Keep, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Uh, the other main character is Turl, played by John Travolta. He is the head of security for the Cyclos on Earth. He's trying to move up in the corporation, hence our talk of how much corporation talk there was.
0: Very, very in-depth corporation talk about budgets and projects and... Payroll. Payroll, and my God, seriously? It made The Phantom Menace look like a straight action movie with no talking. Just letting
1: you know. (laughs) Fair enough. And especially all of the talking coming from the aliens. The aliens are supposed to be this conquering people who basically mine planets until they're husks of things. And all they can do is talk about how the workers have to take half salary and how Forrest Whitaker's character has five wives to support Yeah, very
0: riveting action-adventure talk.
1: Uh Uh-huh. However, John Travolta, to his credit or detriment, I'm not sure which, did, as I said before, get so fat because he ate the scenery. He didn't just chew the scenery. He just ate it. He made a Thanksgiving dinner out of it and poured gravy all over it and was just going to town.
0: And it makes me think, was he actually just having that much fun because he knew that the movie was crap? Or was he being directed that way?
1: Or did he throw himself into it and this was genuinely what he thought a cyclo was? Could be. He probably
0: had read the book, I would assume, being a Scientologist.
1: Yeah, I, according to that show we watched, they had, to wa- they had to read everything L. Ron Hubbard wrote, but I don't know if that included his work sufficient or not. They never really got into it. Yeah,
0: maybe he got a book on tape.
1: (laughs) 3,000 pages, that's a lot of hours. But he did, he overacted and stole the scenes, or tried to every time he was on the camera. And he told Forrest Whitaker's character, Kerr, before he could spell, while he was learning to spell his name, Turl was learning how to conquer galaxies. I don't even understand like what made what had a of security on a planet full of beings that were so inferior physically that they were able to take over the planet in nine minutes.
0: That's destroying all the world's military, all of our defenses in roughly modern day. The movie was when?
1: It's 3000 year, year 3000.
0: Well, what was, when did they come to Earth, I guess?
1: 2000. It was 2000. Okay, so, a years you know,
0: to- so all of our military at that time, every, you know, the satellites we had, all that stuff, nine minutes, totally conquered,
1: done. Done deal. So, what did they need a head of security for? For the other cyclos? Because they didn't seem like they wanted to do much of anything.
0: I don't know. I think his uh, position was mistitled. We need to look at his job review and report.
1: Right. He should be maybe the assistant to the... The assistant <laughs> the, to the the,
0: region, the... the assistant to the, the regional region manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I, um, I like a lot of really bad movies. I do got to admit that I do enjoy a really good over-the-top a- action movie. I do enjoy a really over-the-top performance, Uh, hence my sort of secret and shameful love of Nicolas Cage. However, I don't think even Nicolas Cage would have picked this movie up the way that it was written. I don't know how they were able to pitch it to not... I want to exclude John Travolta from that, but, like, how did they pitch it to an actor who's in his heyday, like Barry Pepper? Or how did they pitch it to Forrest Whitaker, who I, I believe at that point had already won at least one of his Oscars? Mm. I could be wrong. I can't remember the time frame on all that. But he's an Oscar-winning actor, which meant that he was talented before he won his Oscar. I, how did they pitch it to these people that made it seem like this would be a good idea. I don't... I mean, I know everybody needs a paycheck. True, true. But it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Well, big budget action movie, maybe they thought that it was going to be well cared for, and it wasn't, so...
1: The um, plot, as per IMDb, is... And I quote, It's the year 3000 AD. The the Earth is lost to the alien race of Cyclos. Humanity is enslaved by those gold-thirsty tyrants whom are unaware that their man-animals are about to ignite the rebellion of a lifetime. So that's what IMDb tells us about the plot. I think we can move on from the characters to the plot. Pretty much it's just Johnny and Turl. I mean... Forrest Whitaker was entertaining. He was a sniveling assistant to Turl and trying to not be Turl's assistant anymore. And Kim Coates played another human who joined in the rebellion. Kind with, of
0: Johnny's sidekick, so to speak.
1: And there was a love interest who was in it. That's
0: really all you need to say. There was a love interest who had lines.
1: Yeah, she was only really in the movie for about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, plot points. Basically, the movie starts with the humans. A small, primitive village. Clan of the Cave Bear-esque looking clothing. But they're all human humans. They're not... Clan of
0: the Cave Bear, if they were all just got off the set of The Gap uh, photo shoot.
1: (laughs) All right, fair enough. They are all good looking. None of them are Cro-Magnon. They're all obviously homo sapien because they, that was where we were when the Cyclops took over Earth. They talk about the Earth being taken over by demons and the gods abandoning them. And Johnny needs to leave to...
0: Go do stuff? Find the gods? Hunt something? I, it wasn't really clear to me what he actually had to leave for.
1: So he left. He left and gets freaked out and his horse gets freaked out by
0: an old putt-putt.
1: Yeah, amusement park thing. (laughs) And at that place is when he's ambushed by Kim Coates' character and I'm assuming his brother. He's not in the movie for very long, so it doesn't really matter. And they take him to some place where they say the gods live or they've seen the gods before. And it is a city. I don't know. I don't remember what city that was. Because we see Denver and we see Aspen, but I don't remember what city they started. I think it started. was
0: Aspen, maybe. I'm not sure.
1: Anyway, it's a ruin of a city. The buildings are all actually, although they're ruins, they're standing pretty well after a thousand years. Good on us for having such good workmanship. The cars don't seem all that rusted out. You can still tell what colors they are after a thousand years. And most of the signs you can still read. The mannequins still have their clothing. But
0: the man-animals think that the mannequins were actually real people a thousand years ago that upset the demons, and the demons turned them into this. This is the mentality. This is the the ideas that the man-animals have up until this point, which makes it even more ludicrous what they do, what they're able to accomplish within a month and then what happens at the end of the movie for me.
1: Fair enough. So they're ambushed by a... Cyclo at this point the audience doesn't see the cyclo but it's obviously an alien because you see how big he is and you know his dreads and the next thing you know he's being flown off and freaked out because he's flying because these humans don't fly and they're taken to Denver to the dome because the cyclos can't breathe Earth's atmosphere they have to breathe something that's poisonous to humans So the cyclos stay in these pockets, these domes that are pumped full of this gas that they can breathe. And both species have these rebreather things that they wear when they're in the other species areas. So that's established right away that the humans can't breathe the air that's inside the dome. Because they're given their rebreathers at that point. They're taken in and... We get some backstory about the Cyclos and their corporation, which, yes, I understand if you're watching the movie, you'll get, but it's really not all that important to the overall, except for the fact that Turl was denied a promotion.
0: Really, none of the things, in my opinion, were important from the Cyclos' perspective. All you needed to know about the Cyclos was that they were the bad guys, honestly, in this movie.
1: And Turl was a scorned bad guy, which actually made him a little bit more vindictive, I guess. That... So,
0: there's that. And there's a brief shot of Spaceball headquarters, or I mean, the Cyclo's home planet of oh, Cyclo. Of Cyclo, yeah. Creative name. It looks name. a lot like Spaceball headquarters.
1: Yes, lots of spheres. Literally
0: looks <laughs> a lot like Spaceball headquarters.
1: Yes, as yes, I I have nothing to argue or add to that. Yes. So there's that. There's, so there's a side plot with the cyclos and the corporation. Turtles denied a promotion. Johnny runs away a total of four times. Four times. Kills two cyclos in his first visit to the dome. One, because he got a hold of their gun all on his own and ran away. He was caught. The second time, because Turl gave him the gun and basically told the partner of the dead cyclo to get the gun from him because he wouldn't believe that the man-animal shot and killed a cyclo. That was it. And so... And then he ran away again because... Some drunk cyclo ran into a pillar and knocked it over and created a distraction. So he was able to get off of the chain gang and run away and get caught again by Turl. And then Turl takes him, develops this really convoluted plan to train men, train humans to mine. Even though they see humans basically as dogs. As animal animals. Not as sentient. Not not as a creature that has sentient intelligence. But as a beast of burden. They don't speak the Cyclos language. So they hook Johnny up. The rebellious one who can't be trained. And keeps running away. And has killed multiple Cyclos. They hook him up to a machine that teaches him... The Cyclo's language. You know that scene in Scanners
0: where <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes. It it like beams the language into his brain somehow, as well as some of some other points of history and whatnot. <clears throat> so basically the plan is
0: So Barkley gets smart. I don't
1: know who Barkley is.
0: Sorry, it's a Star Trek The Next Generation reference.
1: Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) So, Johnny gets smart, and Turtle uses him to lead the small group of people that he's going to teach to mine, because they found a... vein of gold somewhere where there's a lot of radiation that's very incredibly poisonous to the cyclos so they can't go in and mine it, but the the men can. So that happened. They take Johnny into a flight simulator and teach him how to, you know, fly the vehicles that the cyclos have.
0: But he's had his mind altered with super knowledge.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So... Science fiction, okay. I I was okay with that. I wasn't okay with it, not because it happened, but because they taught the rebellious one who kept running away and killing cyclos oh, how true. to drive
0: gotcha. this
1: machine with lots of weapons on it. True, true. So they do that. And in order to hold leverage over Johnny's head, because, and this was a joke that played out way too badly and way too long in the movie, During one of the they run away scenes, they go without food for three days. And so Turl and Kerr are watching to see what food they go for. Because obviously that's the favorite food of this man. And he ended up eating a rat raw because he was starving.
0: And they didn't have any way to cook it.
1: So he just ate it. And... So Turtle and Kerr thought that that was their favorite food, so they tried to motivate them by giving them raw rat.
0: And it was basically a running gag. I, I say gag, It probably since this isn't a, supposed to be a comedy, it's not a gag, but it was a running gag through the rest of the movie.
1: I mean, he ended up calling Johnny rat brains through the whole rest of the movie. If it was just that, that would be fine. But, like, one of the things was, he was just like, are you hungry, boy? Are you hungry? And he tries to shove a rat down his throat. Like, literally. Anyway, that's a side... venue. So... After he's trained to fly the helicopter hovercraft weapon thing, he is taken... He and his pals are taken to the side of the mine by way of his girlfriend, Johnny's girlfriend. Because they find her because his horse comes back. Everything happens so weirdly in this movie, it's really hard to explain it. But his horse comes back, they know something
0: happened. Things happen because the plot dictates that it has to happen. You're, in my opinion, not really supposed to think too far into it.
1: But Horse comes back, she says he has to, she has to go find him, she goes to find him, has a picture, hand-drawn, that looks just like Barry Pepper. And so they assume that this woman knows Johnny and they put an explosive collar on her that will decapitate her if he disobeys. And so in order to prove that it would work, they put it on one of his crew and decapac- de- decapitate that dude which starts the whole revolution within humanity because one dude died.
0: Well, they were working towards a revolution. At least Johnny was working towards a revolution for a while. At least thinking about it.
1: True. But that was one guy. I, it was it was a very strange ignition to the fire that caused the revolution, but the revolution starts. Or at least the talk of it. They go out to the location of the gold the gold vein and the mining crew takes their equipment, makes it look like they're mining. But before they got there, Johnny was able to get a hold of a bunch of written information about old humanity and where stuff was. Maps.
0: Because the bad guy showed him.
1: True. Because nothing in that library was going to give him any information that he could use because they destroyed the world in nine minutes.
0: And I want to make this a very strict point Terrell correct? Terrell specifically told Johnny that he better do exactly what he says because he will be watching him while they're mining he will be watching all the man animals while they're doing what they're doing specifically told him that and showed him how he would do it carry on
1: Okay. So while in the library, he looks at a bunch of maps and a bunch of information, and he gets the location of Fort Knox and finds out that at Fort Knox, there's a bunch of already mined gold. So because the area where the gold vein is is filled with radiation, the cyclos can't come in. Yes, Turl does tell Johnny I'll be watching. And the way he'll be watching is he'll be sending drones overhead with their little security cameras to uh, to basically take pictures as they're doing it, so they're unloading all their equipment. Johnny tells his pals, "Hey, I we're gonna we're gonna go to this Fort Knox place and we're gonna get all this gold. We're not gonna actually mine, but in the process of all this, we gotta gather some other stuff. So they take the cyclops helicopter hovercraft thing, which must move incredibly fast, because from what I understand, the vein of gold is actually in the Rocky Mountains, and Fort Knox is in Kentucky." But they go to Fort Knox, not by, not directly, but by way of Washington, D.C.
0: Terrell knows nothing about this.
1: Because he sends the drones over and when they they can hear the drone thing coming, so they start, it's a big enough crew that they can
0: pretend that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing.
1: So they basically get a vacation from from being slaves and can rappel down mountains and rock climb and have a good naturalistic vacation while Johnny and his pals go off. To Washington, D.C. to look at a map of where the radioactive bombs are because somehow Johnny suddenly understands and knows that plutonium or uranium or radiation of some sort. Vibranium. Radiation of some sort will react with the cyclos atmosphere and cause a chain reaction that will make like destroy all of their home world and any of the little pockets. If they are, if they open their transporters or, you know, whatever. Anyway, it's kind of a big deal, but I don't know how else to explain it because it's kind of not really super well explained anyway. So he and two of his pals see this map, then they go to Fort Knox, which is standing open. And unless it's in a spot where this radiation is, I don't understand how the Cyclos didn't go and gather the easy to grab gold. But instead decided to mine the harder to find gold. Which in the year 2000, just like now, gold is pretty rare. So if there's a whole underground bunker just filled with gold bullion, why did they not just go and use their pallet jacks and wheel it all on out? It doesn't make any sense. But they didn't. And the vault's standing open, so they get some gold. Give it to Turl, who... Questions how they were able to make it into bars, and Johnny just simply says, you have refined taste, and so I didn't think that you wanted raw ore. And Turl bought it.
0: Because he's an idiot. Uh
1: Uh-huh. So he gives him seven more days to get the rest of the gold from this gold vein, and leaves.
0: So what does Johnny and all of his new companions do? Decide to leave for seven days.
1: And Toro knows nothing
0: about this.
1: Because they leave half of them behind to look like they're mining. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, are you seeing a a thing going on here? The Cyclos are dumb. They're dumb. They might have advanced technology that can take out a lot of, most of, all of, whatever, our war technology. However, they're dumb. They're dumb. So, they go to Fort Hood in Texas, get a bunch of guns, and planes, and ammunition, and a thousand years of decay and entropy evidently was, it didn't affect any of the weapons. Yeah, actually,
0: I must condemn, or not condemn, I apologize, I must commend Uh, The U.S. military for being able to house equipment for a thousand... Finding a way to house equipment for a thousand years and dust doesn't even settle. It is amazing. It's immaculate. Not only does the dust not settle, but all the gasoline works, all the explosives and batteries and power works. All you have to do is switch a light on and... Everything has power that it needs to have power. Bravo. Bravo. Yes. We have (laughs) a
1: scene at Fort Hood where the tribe of primitive men are
0: attacking... Almost cavemen-like.
1: ...are attacking a flight simulator with their spears because it starts to move. And Johnny peeks in and says, this will teach us to fly. You have seven days to learn how to fly.
0: Not only do you have seven days to learn how to fly, lead tribe caveman, but you have that seven days to train your boys to fly Harrier jets.
1: What? Guess what happens? Oh, it happens. Oh, <laughs> piece of cake. I
0: mean, fly. I mean, I am. I should have been a fighter pilot, really, because if all, that's all you need to do, I mean. Seriously, seriously, I feel so bad for anyone that has learned to fly a plane or does anything that is technical, because all you need to do is play a video game for seven days, and you can teach in that time yourself and all of your caveman buddies to fight a war. Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
1: It's it's a thousand years Mm. in the future. Sure. However, I'm with you on that. Steve did turn to me while we were watching the movie and say that this is an insult to the Air Force. And I just added pretty much anyone who has a pilot's license, this was an insult too. All of those hours that you had to spend live flying a plane... Not necessary. You just get in a simulator and you can fly. Here are your jets. Because
0: later in the movie, they're dogfighting. It's not like they can pick it up and move it across the parking lot. They are dogfighting. It is pretty ridiculous. (laughs) Anyway, carry on with the plot.
1: We're almost done, I promise. So, they do all this. They go to Denver, which is the hub that they have been working out of. Turrell and Kerr have been working out of the Dome in Denver. Dome in Denver. Huh. Anyway, so that's where they decide to... That's where the men decide to attack. And that's where all of their families and their friends and compatriots are being held anyway. So, in order to get the men out of their cages, Johnny approaches Kerr with some leverage that Turl had on him about some, this very plan and how it's illegal to train substandard species to mine. Which, weirdly enough, if that regulation had been followed or whatever, that regulation was actually really smart. They shouldn't have taught the men how to mine because none of this would be happening if they were. But that's neither here nor there. So Turl had leverage on Kerr, basically making Kerr his patsy for the whole plan. And in exchange for the footage, Johnny asked for the freedom of the men. Kerr gave it to him because evidently being in bad, uh, in bad standing with the home office is actually a lot worse than letting your slaves go free. I guess. They don't go a whole lot into that, but I guess. So all the men are gone. They're doing their plan. Uh, Tig, Kim Coates, the sidekick, his job is to blow the dome so that all the poisonous gas can come in and, well, meaning oxygen and carbon dioxide, like the atmosphere of Earth, can come in and start to suffocate and weaken the cyclos and... The brother of the guy that was used as a demonstration for the decapitation collar, he volunteers to take the... Vibranium
0: to uh, the Spaceball headquarters to kill all the Spaceballs.
1: So basically that's their plan, and everybody else is running interference to distract from the actual attacks.
0: There's a scene where... Uh, the sidekick,
1: Tig. I don't know it. Let me look it up. I'm sorry. Try I try to think find
0: his actual name, but the basically, there's name, a yeah. scene where he is using a rocket launcher because, of course, you are, and he finds that another shuttle, helicopter, space helicopter, cyclo helicopter, uh, is going to kill him. And then all of a sudden, it is hit by a missile. There is a pan over scene where you see a number of Harrier jets coming in, starting a dogfight. And at that point, I turned to Ellen and said, "I can, I am done. He's I not, not watch anymore. this anymore. <laughs> I did, but that really, oh my goodness."
1: Kim Coates' character's name is Carlo.
0: Carlo. Okay.
1: I didn't think we would talk as much about him as we are. But he um, his job was to blow the dome in order to weaken the Cyclos in order to blow the dome on Earth. Pretty much at the same time as their home planet is being blown as well. That way, Cyclo can't send reinforcements to yet again conquer Earth. So the it's a solid plan all in all. As far as basically you want to cut the enemy off from the reinforcements.
0: So there's a big battle. We don't really need to get into that all that much. There's a big battle with uh, the heroics that you would think would be in a cheesy B-movie sci-fi. The brother beams over to Spaceball and (laughs) destroys all the Spaceballs. At that point I was like, okay, and then that happened. Um, and but then, not just
1: destroyed all the space balls. Like, annihilated the planet to not even asteroids. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. And that's why it was basically okay that happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make and that then, clear.
0: <laughs> and then there, the end of it is basically there's a fight. And they, the man-animals, big surprise, win the day.
1: Turtle gets his arm cut off by the decapitation collar. I just had to point that out because it was supposed to be irony.
0: And then he is captured, put in Fort Knox, as another bit of irony. He's actually been able to get his gold. And Johnny comes in, basically with the triumphant humans, says that if anybody tries to attack Earth, the ransom for Turl will be so high because he is actually the one that killed the planet of the space balls And that that will save Earth.
1: And Kerr, the assistant, finally gets his head of security job with the humans. I...
0: Yeah, uh, Kerr basically sees what side his uh, bread is buttered on and lives out his days as a... uh, with the humans um, partying and um, being the last uh, space ball uh, free on Earth.
1: Alright. So there you go. So, Steve, were there any good points to this movie?
0: No. Um, I... (laughs) I knew this question was coming and I really, really really tried to think of something and uh, they didn't kill the horse. Um, That was good. (laughs) Um, I really like, like seriously, I really am. I really tried to think of something and I, there was nothing stand out. And, and to me too, I don't know what the budget was for this movie, but a lot of the special effects didn't really hold up all that well. Um, The writing was pretty poor. The plot was pretty flimsy, sci-fi action adventure. But then again, I also didn't know if any of the people involved in the movie were actually taking it seriously. Um, And that's actually a real question I have. Were they, once they figured out what was actually happening, what they were being paid to do, did anybody really take it seriously anymore? I don't know. So I Yeah, don't know. so so at this point, yeah, I really can't there isn't really any standout of anything that yeah, I can't I can't I got nothing. I got nothing.
1: <laughs> Alright, so As you know, we did actually... What about you? Did you have anything? No, I was hoping to skip over me. Mm. (laughs) No, actually, I don't think there's a whole lot of high points to this. Kim Coates was okay. His performance was okay, but he basically was playing the sidekick. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of depth to him. Barry Pepper was really boring, even though he's an okay actor. John Travolta was not boring. Was not boring at all. He filled up all the space that Barry Pepper left him. (laughs) However, even though he walked really pretty fantastically and seamlessly in those platforms they put him in, I don't think that he and his overacting can save it as a fun movie for me. The cinematography was odd. It was weird. And I know it was supposed to look alien because the Cyclos are aliens, but like the, the lighting and the coloring... And the fact that Cyclo is on a 45 degree angle for some reason, everywhere. (laughs) I don't know how they got their whole planet to be on a 45 degree angle. I don't understand this. And I know it's probably just to show a difference between humans and the aliens. But it was disorienting and really kind of not well defined. Because they weren't always at an angle. I noticed it this time around that when they were in their dome or on cyclo or whatever, it was only about half and half when it's like the cinematographer sometimes forgot to put the camera at an angle. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't drunk that those days. I genuinely don't know. And I'm very sorry if anybody knows. And if that guy is a very talented cinematographer, that movie was not well done. It was not well done. Um, So anyway, because for our first two movies, we did not do the system that we had set out to do. We did not randomly pull pull names of movies. We chose Lord of the Rings because we owned it and it was number 50. So it was a good divider point on AFI's list because we're going to start with the top 50 and the bottom 50. And then if we feel like we want to move on, we have another 50 movies on both of these to do. The issue with Battle, the first bad movie is I wanted Steve to watch a movie that he hadn't been exposed to before. Because I would have picked a fun bad movie like Plan 9 from Outer Space or Man in the Hands of Fate or Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And all of these, whether Steve's seen the movie in their entirety or not, just being married to me and having dated me for so long, he's been exposed to a lot of these really fun, cheesy B-movie, horror movies, sci-fi movies that will be on our list. But I wanted the first one out to be pretty fresh for him. And I do apologize, Steve, that it was such a stinker. Like oh, it... <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I People had talked about it, and I, I did not think that it was as bad as it was.
1: Well, it can only go uphill. There are a lot of fun bad movies that are... I don't want to say so so bad they're good, but there are a lot of really fun movies to watch. Like, Ed Wood puts a lot of heart into all of his movies, but they're all bad. So you have a good time watching somebody do their passion. But I just wanted to apologize to you officially. That will be posted up forever. That I exposed <laughs> you to such a bad movie. The first time out of the game.
0: All right. All right. So that was our discussion on Johnny vs the Spaceballs. (laughs) What are the next two movies that we are going to uh, rent the movie house for?
1: All right. So our next good movie, which will be next week, we will watch Midnight Cowboy starring John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. Made in 1969. And it is number 43 on AFI's Top 100. Uh, So, there's that. The following week, we will be watching The Swinging Cheerleaders, filmed in 1974, about an expose into the cheerleading world, I guess, is what I got from the synopsis. (laughs) So, it hopefully will be fun.
0: Alright, so it looks like they are lighting the lamps on the street in Royville, so our time is about done here. If you have seen Battlefield Earth and want to discuss it in the comments, please go ahead and put your notes. And we might uh, have a little discussion about how bad Johnny vs. The Spaceballs actually was. If you liked it, we'd like to know why you're so crazy. Other than that, Please hit subscribe if you can, and we will see you next time at the
1: Royville Movie House. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.